Welcome to Leicester Film Pod, the podcast in which we talk about the good bits and the tough bits of starting a video agency. With me, Helen, and my business partner and husband, Alex Lester. Hello. In this episode, we'll be talking about being colleagues and a couple. And lovers. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> we have created a child. Right, correct. Yes, we are having a baby. Yeah. Isn't that lovely? It is lovely. Yes. We're very excited. We are very excited. But before we get into the nitty gritty of this episode, mm-hmm. Alex, Leicester Film Co. It's a video agency, so we'd like to know what or who have you been watching this week? I wonder if you can guess what I've been watching this week through the form of impersonation. Oh, go on then. Okay, you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. She got a great ass! <laughs> You have been watching Heat. Yeah, I have been watching Heat, Oh yeah. my goodness. What a, Top marks for that impression, Al. Well done. Thank you. It sounded wonderful in this studio. Yeah, sorry to everyone there whose speakers have blown out, but that is how Pacino acts throughout that film. Mm. Second time I've watched it this year, it's simply sublime. I originally gave it four and a half stars, but I've since upgraded that to five stars. Wise decision. Yeah, I mean... So many iconic performances, so many big names. It's just got this Huey early 90s vibe all the way through it. That scene with De Niro and Pacino where they have that coffee, just unreal. If you haven't seen Heat, please go see it. It's a five-star film. As you listen to these podcasts over time, you'll realise I don't give out five stars very often, but Heat is 100% worth it. Is that coffee scene the first scene Pacino and De Niro have ever done together? Despite both starring in The Godfather, yes, that's the first time they appear in a scene together because Mm. obviously De Niro in The Godfather Part 2 plays Don Corleone through the flashback so didn't have any scenes with Michael Corleone who was obviously his son in the present day filming. Obviously. And in case you haven't guessed, Al is a huge Godfather fan. You come to me on the day of my daughter's wedding. Oh, God, what have we started? Right. <laughs> now the formality. Hold on. <laughs> oh, right, yes, apologies. Ask he- me. Helen. Yes. What have you been watching? I have watched a film that I was fully expecting not to like. It's with Amy Adams, and it's called Arrival. And she's a linguist, and there is the arrival of this alien life force. It, and... As we get, as we do more of these podcasts, you'll know that alien films, sci-fi, not my bag at all. As soon as someone tells me there's an alien involved, I'm like, oh, right, okay. Don't believe you. Sorry. But yet Harry Potter, you really like. Well, yeah, of course. Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, what's not to like? Yeah, fine. Yeah, okay. Fine. I, yeah. Point out the irony, whatever. But I really liked that film. How many stars? I think I gave it four. I can't fully remember. Four stars out of five. Oh, already we're getting, (laughs) that's the third impression and we're what, four minutes in? (laughs) Right, podcast, let's go. Episode two. This one's going to be a little bit more lighthearted. Obviously, it's about you and I and how we function as a couple and as a business. Yes, so a lot of people would say they could never work with their spouse, which, you know, it's fair enough, it's not for everyone. So how do we do it? Why do we do it? Are we crazy? What's wrong with us? What's wrong with us indeed? I mean, for starters, I take a lot of flack for 
really enjoying spending time with you, my dear wife. My friends call me all these names under the sun because I appreciate it's not very masculine or very macho to really love your wife and want to work with her and hang out with her. But I own it. That's who I am. And it works for me. Well, I can't complain at any of that, you know. I think you're a bit of all right. Well, thank you. you you'll do. Thank you. Until the next one comes along. Oh. <laughs> not really. Um, so is it hard to work with your wife, said your wife? No, not for me. But I will say that we did meet in a professional work environment in which you were technically my mentor. So that kind of work relationship has already been established. So before you go out, dear listener, and decide to start a business with your wife, maybe you need to find a way to test the water first. Yes, I mean, as you said, we met at work, didn't we? So, And we're in the same field. A lot of couples don't happen to be in the same field either. So that probably helps with it not really making sense for them to work together. But it does work for us. It does. So far, so good anyway. Yeah, I think we've maintained a certain element of the dynamic that we established when we were working together in the agency setting in which you're kind of the boss. And although I try and say that I'm the boss, we both know that's not true. See, you say this, but I don't think either of us is the boss. We've got our own remits, we've got our own fields and we stick to it. We're progressive. What? We're progressive, we're hip, we're woke. Are we? Yeah, we don't need no boss. Oh, right. You lost me for a second there. (laughs) Sorry, Helen. Easily done. (laughs) Is it challenging working with me? (laughs) It's a dream. Uh, Why, how how would you describe working with me? um, Well, like you say, we've got that groundwork of we met at work, so there's no surprises there. But I think one of the biggest pros is that we can be more honest with each other. I often find if you, if you do something that I disagree with, I've, I'm not nervous to say, no, I don't think that's going to work. How about this? And, you know, I don't, I don't need to sugarcoat things or be professional or worry that I'm going to speak out of turn because it's you and I know you and, you know... We can be 100% honest with one another, which, don't get me wrong, can sometimes be a challenge. I appreciate that. But most of the time, it's for the best. But with that honesty, I would, I will say that that also comes with needing to be more respectful of each other's working styles. That's something that I feel we've had to learn. For example, and, you know, I'm going somewhere good on this. Okay. You are much better at putting something in a box and thinking about it at a later date if you haven't got the capacity to think about it right there and then. Whereas I like to talk about it now to hatch a plan so I know how we're going to handle it and I know what to expect and if I need time to adjust or check something, I can do it. I'm not very good at parking things. Yeah, I mean, there's other quirks that we kind of have to take into consideration as well. Not just working styles, but also motivational cues as well you kind of appreciate a softly softly approach when it comes to to praise and feedback and motivation don't you and mine's quite different to that yes we are very different when it comes to praise and feedback if Al's done a good job that's enough for him whereas for me I like feedback and I like to know how things have gone and how it might be better next time yeah and not just in terms of feedback when a job has gone right but also the handling of a situation when a job may have gone wrong yeah and I think the fact that we can appreciate those differences in one another we do just have to learn to be patient although it's really tempting to be like 
can we not just talk about this now? I have to respect that you don't have the capacity or I've got a million other things to think of first and I just have to control my brain, essentially. Like I have to control my brain when offering constructive criticism. For for anyone out there who enjoys um, football, what I'm trying to say here is that Helen appreciates the more arm-round-the-shoulder Roy Hodgson approach, whereas I like being shouted at Sean Dyke, Jose Mourinho. That's how you get a tune out of me. And that can sometimes prove challenging when communicating with someone who has a very different motivational style to yourself well that's interesting then because i don't think i've ever shouted at you so how do we achieve anything i shout at myself okay (laughs) you shout enough for two of us yeah you've (laughs) seen me when i've say forgotten a cable and we've been on a shoot and i will call myself some expletives now if i did that to you i'd cry yeah and neither of us want that so we have to find ways in which we get the point across being you may have messed up here without damaging the other person's mental well-being. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> have we ever annoyed each other working together? We probably spend a lot more time together than the average couple, given that we work together. I, I don't think, I can't think off the top of my head a specific work example where you've annoyed me. There are probably personality traits that exist outside of work that then filter through to work that may have caused irritation in the past. So, for example, your neat little habit of nipping to the toilet whenever it's time to load up the car. (laughs) Well, I'm going to play the pregnancy card for this one right now. And before any of the listeners out there think that I'm some sort of monster, this existed long before the pregnancy. Don't be fooled. I've I've thought of another example for you, actually. Yeah, I know what's coming. Yeah. This was my bad. So we were doing some filming for a client a while back, talking to camera interviews, and I knew this guy's name, the client. I'd been speaking to him that morning, lovely guy. Came to introduce him to Al and just told him a completely different name. So Al then went in and called him by the wrong name, which was quite embarrassing. And I I don't know why it happened. I I apologise. Yeah, that that was a little bit annoying, I won't lie. But yeah, whilst you're explaining that story, I've actually thought of a few more. What, of where I've annoyed you? Yeah, this could lead to divorce, actually, so I'm not sure I want to go down this road, but you are very slow. I am not slow. You are very slow. I am thorough. You're a steadier way. (laughs) And maybe this this could be brushed out into a positive in so much as your steady nature can sometimes balance my, at times, hasty nature. Very diplomatically said, Al. Now, come on, I must have annoyed you quite a few times in the workplace. Well, you've just given me easy ammunition there. Go on. You rush me. You never let me go to the toilet when it's time to load the car. (laughs) (laughs) Go on, Helen, it's time to load up again. How are we? I need a wee. (laughs) So I'm even more northern in this, am I? I think sometimes, and it isn't that you annoy me, it's just that your style can be quite quick and to the point and come on, let's be on, let's crack on. And sometimes that's not necessary. Like we don't need to rush all the time. We can check things one more time or things don't always have to be as speedy as possible. And I think that sometimes makes me feel the pressure a bit more than I should, a bit more than I should, but that's probably just me being sensitive to thinking oh Al's in a rush I best hurry up here and then I end up flapping yeah a good example of that would actually be your answer to that question it's obviously going to be very very neatly edited together in post (laughs) but that probably took about two minutes to explain 
but I pre- it's a perfect case, you know. You're staring at me, you can probably think, come on, Al. Al's thinking, I need to hurry up this answer here. Oh, God, my brain, it won't stop thinking. <laughs> oh, no, I'm taking my time. It's convoluted, and that's exactly what happened. So maybe I should try and rush you less, let's say. Well, thanks, and I'll try and hurry up. Also, in my defence, there are two brains in my body right now, and I have control over neither one, so you, you just have to get used to this, I'm afraid. I'm willing to do that. That's absolutely fine. Thanks, love. So, as a couple that spends a lot of time together, both at work and at home, how do we make sure we have alone time? How do we get that balance when our time at work is usually together? Well, for me, it's a little bit easier. I've got a number of hobbies that tend to take me away from the house. I like golf. I like walking the dog, something which unfortunately you can't do at this moment in time due to pregnancy and being with child. Hang on one second. Go on. I'm very capable of walking the dog, but I'm not allowed to walk the dog with you because you say I'm too ploddy. You were ploddy before the pregnancy. Since (laughs) pregnancy has occurred, ploddiness has become turtle-like. Well, it's tough. I'm creating organs and growing bones. And I love and respect that, but... (laughs) My dog walk in its current guise without you takes up to an hour. With you, it would probably be half a day. So Yeah, fair enough. Thank you, dear. But yeah, like I say, it's easy for me. I've got hobbies that take me out of the house. I'm often away on shoots as well, sometimes working solo. Yeah, I think alone time is something that I don't I don't really find myself struggling to get, but that's probably more of a lifestyle choice than a work choice, if that makes sense. But what about you? How do you factor in alone time when our lives are so intensely entwined? For me, it's a little more of a conscious decision because I'm not as sporty as you. I'm not into team sports that often warrant taking you out of the house. Um, and also the past five months has been a little bit of a challenge because obviously we're having a baby and the first three months of that, I don't think I could have done many hobbies even if I'd have tried because I was just exhausted but for me it's just about finding the right thing to get out the house for like our village has a book club that I've joined recently which we talk about books for about five minutes and then it's just me and loads of other ladies from the village talking about life which is lovely Uh, we've got a yoga class that I like to go to so yeah I think it's just making a commitment to yourself to to do that for yourself to get the headspace that you need or take the dog out by yourself or whatever seeing as I'm not invited on your dog walks but damn fine. right slow poke <laughs> so we, we've covered a number of topics already but one that people often ask us is whether or not we argue both in and outside of the work environment what would your answer be we don't argue in the sense of shouting at each other or whatever but we obviously disagree on things from time to time as any couple would um i think when that happens in a work situation though you've got to be professional as well and sometimes you might think hmm wasn't keen on that but i'm just going to learn to park it and bring it up on the car ride home it's not fun but you know it's necessary the client work comes first but i think one thing that we've gotten better at is explaining why something's annoying in a calm and rational way and if we've not quite figured out why it's annoying yet we kind of let each other ramble till we get to the point yeah i'll let it marinate over a silent episode of the office or a dog walk or something like that yeah so in short no we don't really argue over work 
we might disagree disagree on approach every once in a while but we get to the right conclusion in the end and i think as well just not to hark back and and cover ground that we've already trodden but we met each other in a professional work environment in which we learned to communicate with one another in a professional work environment yeah so the groundwork of how to be and how to act with one another was already there and we would never have gotten together if that didn't exist if the way that we spoke to each other was combative or or passive aggressive or critical or something then we it just never would have worked out not only would we have failed to run a business together but we probably would have failed as a couple as well so no i don't think we do argue yeah we do no we don't <laughs> god how uh, work-life balance. So this next question is a good question for any self-employed person, but for two self-employed people living under the same roof, how do we maintain a work-life balance? I've got a good answer for this one. Okay, go. Learning to set boundaries early is really important. And when we first started Leicester Film Co, we didn't have those boundaries in place between work and life because we were excited and, you know, there was a lot going on and we wanted it to do really well. But When you've had a full-on day of trying to make the business work and then you have an idea at 9pm on a Friday night and you spend the next hour talking about it instead of watching the film that you said you were going to watch, that tends to have an effect on your energy levels and all the rest. So you soon learn that it's better to put these boundaries in place and stick to them. And if it means you've got to keep a notepad and pen by your bed so you write an idea down rather than say it at 11pm, then you just have to learn to do that. Yeah, I think that's something that you're a lot better and a lot more disciplined at than I am I I struggle to sometimes keep the idea within my brain or run to get my notepad and yes. there have been occasions where as Helen's drifting off to sleep ideas have been blurted out and I apologize for that but you are a lot better at that than I am thank you but I'd just like to point out <laughs> that sometimes it's not an idea sometimes it'll be oh I've got a job for you tomorrow at 11 p.m about to fall asleep because and my way of justifying that is by saying my brain is so full all of the time that if I can just get one thing out before I close my eyes then I'm going to feel a little bit better selfishly and also secondly I know that I'll forget if I don't tell you I think the the moral of this story is Al needs to start writing stuff down more yeah maybe yeah that'd be nice so now we've kind of covered what it's like for us to working as a couple and functioning as a couple what advice could you offer to someone out there who's thinking of starting a business with their spouse or partner so my first bit of advice would be what we've already touched upon about setting boundaries between work and life early on because every everything's going to be better in the long run for that but my second piece of advice would be to define what your responsibilities are and how they differentiate from your other halves. Because I think sometimes it's easy to assume something's been thought of or because we know each other so well, it'd be easy for me to think, oh, I'll I'll all sort that out, I'll have thought about it, when actually Al's busy thinking about X, Y, Z, other things. So having clearly defined roles, I think, is a, a good starting point. Yeah, I think that leads into a point that I'd make as well about communication. Yeah. If you think I've packed cam a and i think you've packed cam a then we're gonna run into trouble 
Yeah. So just talk about it and make a list and kind of go through everything step by step. Ask questions. Have you sent that email? Have you chased that contract? Did you get back to that lead? Because if you just sit in your desk editing away with headphones on, assuming these things are happening, you might be found out to be wrong. Nine times out of 10, those things do get done, but it's worth us both chasing one another to make sure that that is absolutely the case. As the old saying goes, to assume makes an ass out of me and you. So, no. Out of you and me. That's the one. You were the linguist, right? Not me. You were were the copywriter as well. Steady. (laughs) But yeah, to assume makes an ass out of you and me. Yes. Um, So just talk to each other, communicate. And if you can do that in a professional way without being snippy or passive aggressive, then great. That's going to set you up for success in the future. I think to add to that, I'd say to not be afraid to hold each other accountable for those tasks as well. You know, checking in on each other and making sure things are done and asking why not is how you move forward and stay proactive and eventually grow. And I'm not saying you have to point the finger and have a checklist and deadlines for everything, but you know, checking in on each other, making sure things are progressing and taking ownership of what you said you'd do is, is a great way to move forward. Yeah, and celebrate those things that do get done. For example, did you chase that client, Helen? I did, yes. Oh, fantastic. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thanks for saying that, Al. Wonderful. I love you. Oh, God. Sorry. Um, (laughs) But that's the kind of thing, you know, you've got to, when you're running a business as a couple or an individual or as a team or whatever, you've got to take moments to to celebrate the small victories. And I guess that would be another point that, that I would offer to someone who is thinking about setting up a business with their partner or spouse is set dates in the diary where you can kind of review what you've done that week and yeah. make sure that like you were saying, you're accountable for the tasks that one another is going to achieve, but also celebrate them when they are met. If they're not met, obviously don't celebrate them, but don't beat yourself up too much. You know, if you're starting a business, it's a big deal. It's a lot of stress. It's a lot of work. So make sure that you celebrate those moments where things go right. And when things don't go right, just analyze it in a in a nice kind of adult way let's not play the blame game here because there's got to be an acceptance that Helen's going to make mistakes and Alex is going to make mistakes because we're human beings and that's what we do but as long as you're stopping along the way to kind of acknowledge the bits that go right I think you'll be set up for success in the future. Yes you are a couple you are also colleagues so you in, you deserve to enjoy the colleague rewards that any other colleague would get. So whether that's a regular social where you go out for tea or go out for drinks or go bowling or whatever and treat it as a celebration of the work you've achieved. I agree. Okay, so I think that pretty much wraps up episode two of Leicester Film Pod. Hells, what can people look forward to next week? Next week, we'll be talking about tools of the trade. So not necessarily the tools and programs that we use, but the ideas, the structures, the concepts that we've borrowed from previous employment to make work at Leicester Film Co. run smoothly. Yeah, so it's a bit more of a looking at the the nitty-gritty, hands-on stuff that goes into the everyday running of Leicester Film Co, right? Yeah, but it's not unique to a video agency. Any business could use these tools. Fab, looking forward to it. So that concludes this episode. Thank you for listening. And if you have any questions for us about business, video marketing, or just life in general, then feel free to drop us a line on podcast at leicesterfilm.co. And don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time. Bye. (laughs) Bye.